Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 13. The Bible says, When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give you them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit on the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve basketfuls. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. Father, I pray tonight... Lord, that you would bless the reading of thy word. I pray that you would give us liberty tonight to preach. And Lord, you know the burden that's on our heart tonight. We don't want to be a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And God, we don't want to just preach to be preaching tonight. But I pray that you'll help us. I pray you'll take the word of God and give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Thank you for Bible Baptist Church. Thank you for the good revival meeting you blessed us with this week. Thank you for the man of God that came and preached. And Lord, thank you for your people that faithfully attended. And Lord, I ask you tonight to speak to us and speak through us and get maximum glory. Lord, may we not do anything to draw any attention to our flesh tonight. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to note with me in verse number 13, the phrase that's found in the last part of this verse where it says, they followed him on foot. And I don't know about you, but when I, I read that phrase the other day, it just seemed like a, an interesting phrase to me that, that Matthew would write that they followed him on foot. Uh, verse number 13 is interesting because it highlights how that Jesus hears about John's departure uh, out of this world. And the Bible said in verse number 13 that when Jesus heard of it, talking about John the Baptist's death that we mentioned this morning, that he departed thence by ship into the desert. So when Jesus hears about John uh, being dead, of course we know that he knows all things, but when the disciples told him, the Bible said, says that when he heard of it, that he departed by ship. And then in the latter part of verse 13, when they heard that Jesus had departed, the Bible says that they uh, followed him they, and or departed or they followed him on foot out of the cities. Now, uh, this phrase just seemed to jump out at me uh, as I begin to think about these, uh, this phrase here. I thought about the people. The Bible said they followed him on foot. And I don't know who these people were. Uh, but these people had a great desire uh, to go find Jesus and to go where he was. And, and then I thought about their path. Uh, as the Bible said that they followed, I, I think that every step that they took had to be a step by faith. And we'll say more about that in just a moment. But they were willing to follow Jesus. I, I'll stop and say this. God is not going to make anybody follow him or serve him. If you follow Jesus, it'll not be by chance 
chance nor circumstance. Uh, it's not going to be by accident, but it'll have to be on purpose. Amen. Uh, this crowd didn't stumble their way into Jesus, but they purposely followed him. And so I see the people, I see the path. And, and then, of course, the person, the Bible, does make it clear that they followed him. Amen. Uh, they're not following John. Uh, they're not following some other disciple, uh, but they're following Jesus. Now, I understand that we're to follow people as they follow Christ, uh, and God puts people in our path that we're to follow, but at the end of the day, we're just men, we're just people, we're just dirt, we're just dust. Uh, we just fail and we fall, but we know that the one that we're following uh, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, I'm telling you, listen, uh, uh, this crowd knew who they was following, and you've got to know who you're following. They're following him. And let me say, he is a wonderful person to follow. Amen? I'd rather be following Jesus tonight as to following the world. Amen? I'd rather be following Jesus tonight as to be following the devil. Amen? I'd rather be following Jesus tonight as to be following religion. Uh, religion won't do anything for you. Uh, but Jesus will help you. He'll be the dearest friends you ever had. Uh, I'd rather follow him through the valley. I'd rather follow him through the desert. I'd rather follow him through the wilderness. You know why? Because it all leads to home. Amen? And we're going to follow him to the house. One of these days we'll walk the last mile of the way. One of these days we'll be in the final stretch of life. One of these days we'll take those final footsteps. I'll tell you when we get to the end, you know who's going to be there? The one we've been following all these years. I'm telling you, he will not leave us. He will not forsake us. You say, how do you know? Because he's going to go with us always, even unto the end of the world. He's a wonderful person to follow. Amen. I see the people. I see the path. I see the person. But what I want you to notice tonight is the pace. Amen. The Bible said that they followed him on foot. On foot tonight. I want to preach on following Jesus on foot. Following Jesus on foot. They followed him by faith but they followed him by foot. I think that's interesting because uh, there's some lessons tonight that you and I can learn from following Jesus uh, on foot. You see, tonight if you follow Christ, uh, that's exactly how you follow him, one step at a time. Uh, that's the way they followed him in verse number 13, one step at a time. You see, serving God, uh, you don't get hit with a lightning bolt experience. Uh, there's no magic wand when it comes to serving God. You look at somebody's been living for God for years uh, and they're further down the road than what you are. Uh, I'll tell you how they got there. Uh, they got there one step at a time. Uh, listen, they live in the same flesh you live in. They fight the same battles you fight. Uh, they face the same devil you face. Uh, they live in the same world you live in. Uh, do not be discouraged uh, if you have tried to live for God and you have fallen. Listen, the Bible said a just man falleth seven times, uh, but he riseth up again. Uh, when you Paul, just get back up and just take another footstep. Just keep on following him. We all fail. We all fall from time to time. But I'm glad faith helps us to rise back up. And Jesus helps us to keep on going for the journey. But if you serve God, it'll have to be one step at a time. Amen. 
following Jesus on foot tonight. There's some lessons we can learn from this multitude by following Jesus on foot. You say, what do you mean? Well, I want you to see, first of all, we learn from their effort, amen? Because when you get to verse number 13, we see the effort that they're putting forth. They're following him on foot. Now, I thought about this. Uh, This crowd put forth the effort to follow Jesus, uh, and I thought to myself, what was it that made them want to follow him in this fashion? I think, number one, it would be uh, their desire. Some had a desire to follow him. For others, uh, perhaps it was devotion. Uh, He had already done something in their life, uh, and they were devoted to him, and they wanted to follow him at every opportunity that they had. For others, it was desperation. They knew that if they didn't follow Jesus, uh, uh, there was no hope for them. Uh, He was their only hope. Uh, He's our only hope today. Uh, But he's a blessed hope. Uh, He's a good hope. Uh, And he's a sure hope uh, uh, for others tonight. Uh, uh, My friend, it was determination that no matter what odds was stacked against them, they had nothing to go back to. And they were determined uh, no matter what the cost was, uh, no matter where he went, uh, they were going to follow Jesus. Amen. And for some, perhaps it was just pure delight because they already had experienced the joy of being in his presence. They knew that it didn't really matter where he was headed in verse 13. To be in his presence was worth the trip. Amen. As our brother just sung, it'll be worth every mile of the trip. But when I think about the effort that they put forth in this text, we can learn from their effort in verse 13. You say, what do you mean? I mean, listen, when you think about, listen, from a human standpoint, in verse number 13, this crowd, it looks as if they would never be able to keep up with Jesus. You say, what do you mean? When I think about the time that he left, the Bible said in verse number 13, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the city. So you see, Jesus got a head start. He's already left. The time that he left was better than theirs. And I think the transportation that he took was better than theirs. The Bible said he left by ship. Now you don't have to be a rocket scientist uh, uh, to figure out a ship's going to move a whole lot faster than your feet. Can I get a witness on that? I mean, even people from Alabama can figure that one out. Uh, uh, but you know tonight, uh, uh, listen, the transportation was better. Uh, I think about the time was better. It looks as if they'll never catch up with him is what I'm saying. Uh, the terrain was bad. Look where Jesus is headed in this verse. Uh, uh, the Bible says uh, he was going to a desert place. Uh, you know, he doesn't always go Uh, to some of the most pleasant places in life. Uh, uh, But I'll tell you what he can do. He can take some of the uh, most barren places of our life uh, and he can turn them into some of the sweetest places in life. Uh, I'm telling you, if he is there, uh, it is the most wonderful place to be in life. Amen. This crowd, we can learn from their effort. Because even though he was ahead, even though he was going to a desert place, guess what? Nothing was going to stop them from following Jesus. I wonder what it would take to get you to stop following him. Do you have that same determination, that same effort 
that no matter what, I'm going to follow him. You see, when I read verse 13, I think to myself, there's no way they're going to catch Jesus. There's no way that they could ever uh, catch up with him on a boat. uh, And he's already got a head start. How are they going to get to where he is? Well, they put forth the effort in verse 13. But look at verse 14. And Jesus went forth. And the Bible says this. He saw a great multitude. You know how they could follow him? Because Jesus was looking for them. Amen. I'm going to tell you I couldn't ever follow God in and of myself. I couldn't never keep up the pace with him. I, I could never follow him through the desert places of life. I, but I'll tell you brother you know at these 30 something years of being saved uh, you know how I've made it. Uh, it's because he's doing for in my life uh, what he was doing in their life. Uh, he's watching out for me. He's looking ahead. Uh, I'll tell you he saw them in verse 14 before they saw him. Uh, I want to say this more this evening. Every day that you get up, God sees you before you see him. He sees behind you and he sees ahead of you. I'm saying that's how. All you got to do is put forth the effort. Amen. See, when you were lost, the devil would say, well, you can't get saved because you'll never be able to live it. And if the devil ever told the truth, he told it there. But the problem with the devil is he may tell the truth, but he didn't. He doesn't tell all the truth and, and nothing but the truth. Amen. And the truth is we can't live the Christian life. But the truth also is he already, Jesus already knew that and he'll help you live the Christian life if you'll live it through him and not yourself. If you'll lean on him, if you'll look to him and if you'll listen to him and if you'll live for him, you can live the Christian life because Jesus Christ will live that life through you. Amen. We learn from their experience, their effort. And then we learn not only from their effort, but I want you to see, we learn from their exit. Amen. Notice the Bible says in verse 13 that they followed him on foot. But notice this little phrase here, out of the cities. In other words, each step that they took that brought them closer to him brought them further away from the city. The city's plural, the Bible says. It represents the world in our text tonight. It represents familiarity. They had to leave familiarity to follow Jesus. They had to leave, be willing to leave family to follow Jesus. They had to be willing to leave their friends, their finances, their businesses uh, uh, to follow Jesus. Uh, sometimes you've got to be willing to walk away from everything to follow Jesus. Uh, you've got to be willing to put some things on hold uh, uh, to follow Jesus. Uh, sometimes you've got to be willing to just wait. Uh, you've got to be willing to pray. You've got to be willing to prepare to follow Jesus. You can't just do what you want to, but there's an exit. Listen, you've got to go the path that God leads you. And sometimes, listen, that leads you away from some things that maybe the flesh has attached itself to. But my friend, listen, if you'll follow him one footstep at a time, you'll be glad you left some things behind. You know, there's some things tonight that I'm glad They're no longer in my life. Amen. God, some things God took away, some things God took me away from. 
You see, God may have to take you away. If you're a boy, he may have to take you away from a certain young lady so you can follow him. See, a lot of young men that had promised that God could have used them, but they got hooked up with the wrong, wrong lady, wrong, wrong girl. And I'm not always saying that they're out there in, in, in deep, dark sin. Sometimes, young lady, if you're going to follow Jesus, God may have to take you away from a certain boy. Amen. I'll say this to all you young people. I wouldn't, I wouldn't plan on ever marrying or even think about even talking to somebody that's not going to live for God 150%. They don't have the same convictions, same beliefs, the same, uh, same desire that God's put in your heart, and I hope he's put that in your heart then listen, you don't even contemplate it. I don't care what they look like. I don't care how. Listen, you say, well, that's, that's how, she's a knockout. Or, or you say, he's the most, uh, uh, he, he's a stud muffin, you know. I want to tell you something. That muffin, may, it may blow up into a donut one day, you know, so you be careful with that. Uh, listen, don't bank everything on the containers, what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, listen, uh, uh, you just got to think about it in life sometimes. Uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, listen, y'all can go ahead and laugh. You might as well laugh so you don't cry later, amen. You just Make sure that's not you. Y'all hear me, girls? Uh, you make sure it's not you. Uh, uh, listen, you don't make a bad decision. You say, well, he told me he he, he loves me. and uh, You better have more. Listen, don't make your decision on that. Amen? I'm telling you, base it on the will of God. You base it on the word of God. Uh, you let the spirit of God put his approval on it. If you're ever going to see somebody, you make sure it lines up uh, with the word of God. I believe your pastor. I believe your parents uh, will have peace about it. If it is the will of God, I'm talking about, listen, they had to leave some places behind in order to follow him. Hey, listen, you want to follow Jesus tonight? You're going to have to do it one step at a time. But I'll tell you, you can learn from their exit. Have you left some things behind? There's too many people tonight that, listen, the reason they can't get in on what God wants them to get in on is because they're not willing to let go. Amen. Think about Lot's wife. She had a worldly husband, worldly home, and a worldly heart. It's not, it's not because they lived in Sodom. You say, well, if they'd have never went to Sodom, it wouldn't have happened. Well, Daniel lived in Babylon. Joseph lived in Egypt. You can't blame the decisions you make on the environment. Sodom needed a light. I'm not telling you it's the will of God that they go there. I'm just telling you, you can't say, listen, the reason she, his wife looked back was because there was things in Sodom that she longed for. There was things in Sodom that, you know, if, if, if Lot would have just won his children and two of his neighbors, uh, Sodom would have been spared, but he didn't even win two neighbors. Uh, he lived there, sat at the gate, uh, listen, uh, had a position of leadership uh, and lost his children, lost his neighbor. You know why? It 
it wasn't because of Sodom. It was because uh, they had a worldly heart. Uh, what I want you to see tonight, you can set somebody in a good environment. You can set them under good preaching. You can set them in a good Christian home. Uh, you can raise them with everything right. Uh, I'm telling you, if it don't get in your heart that you want to follow Jesus, uh, if it don't get in your heart you want to serve God, you'll have a worldly heart uh, in a good environment. You can't blame it on your environment. Amen. I get so tired of people doing that. People get out there and live like the devil. They'll get out there and live like the devil. Then Brother Laddie, they're 35 years old or 25, whatever age you want to pick. And they'll, they'll live any old way. You know what they'll do? They'll blame their heritage for it. I don't believe that no more than nothing. They'll say they got hurt in church. They'll say they got bitter in church. And they'll say, well, I'm out here in the world. No, you're out there because that's where you want to be. You're out there because that's what's in your heart. It's not the church's fault. You say, well, Brother Gravely, you, you must have never been hurt in church. We've all been hurt. Isn't that right? I mean, if we started over here and went up and down these aisles, Brother Laddie, you've been serving God all these years. I don't even have to ask you if you've been hurt in church. Brother Danny, you, you've been hurt in church. I, I mean, there's, you don't even got to go around the room. Uh, Brother David, you lived at preacher's home all these years. I don't have to ask people that. We've all been hurt one time or another. And you know what? We probably all hurt other people one time or another. I want to tell you something. If you want to live for God, you'll live for God. If you want to serve God, you'll serve God. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how many times you get hurt. Jesus never hurt any of us. He never did us wrong. He always did us right. And if you love him, you'll want to follow him. They're just victims. Don't pick up the victim card. I don't know why I'm preaching that, but probably should be said. We learn from their exit. We learn from their effort. And then we learn from their experience. Look at verse number 15. I have a question for this crowd that's following him on foot. Is it worth it tonight? Was it worth it to follow Jesus? Well, they experienced some things in verse number 14 that I think tells us it was worth it. You say, what do you mean? Well, I see first of all they experienced mercy. Because Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and noticed this. He was moved with compassion toward them. This crowd is experiencing mercy before they ever get there. Jesus sees them. I don't know if they see him afar off. At some point they had to. And they're running to him. They've been coming on foot. They put forth the effort. I mean, listen, some of them's desperate. Some of them may be dying. Some of them's desiring to just get where he is. He's in a desert place, and when he sees the multitude, he sees them coming. His heart is moved with compassion. I'm so glad we serve a God that's moved with compassion. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You know why we're still breathing tonight? Because he's a merciful. 
merciful God. You know why? Listen, God has not brought America completely under because he's a merciful God. You know why we're living in America tonight? Because of his mercies. Amen? You know why the devil's not killed and destroyed every one of us? Because he's merciful. I'm telling you tonight, if you could just think for a moment at how merciful God really is. Our minds will never comprehend that. But he loves us. I'm telling you, there's never a tear that falls from our eyes that what God doesn't catch it and put it in a bottle because he's merciful. Every teardrop counts. Every burden counts. He said, cast it on me. I'm telling you, it's mercy. And they experienced his mercy. I'm so glad I've experienced the mercy of God. You ever been around unmerciful people? They see everybody's faults but their own. They talk about everybody else's faults but their own. No compassion, no, uh, no, no forgiveness, no mercy. Oh, in wrath, God remembers mercy. They experienced mercy. They experienced ministry. The Bible said he healed their sick. Everybody that was sick got healed. Jesus ministered to those you know, we ought to minister to everybody that we come in contact with. And tonight, if you follow Jesus, you're going to experience ministry. The ministry is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's good to be a part of the work of God. We should never, and I say we tonight, we should never complain about serving God. It should never be a burden. If you've got a job to do in this church, you ought to thank God every day for that job. Don't ever whine or complain about that job. Don't ever get a bad attitude about it because I promise you tonight, you're not worthy. I'm not worthy to do anything for God. You say, but preacher this or that. I know that because I've said those same things, but the Holy Ghost is reminded me oftentimes son you don't deserve to be ministering you ought to just thank God every day you're in the work of God in the family of God and we ought to be busy doing something amen I'm telling you tonight when you follow Jesus you experience mercy you experience ministry they experience multitudes the Bible said in verse 14 that he saw a great multitude in verse number 15 they said they said send the multitude away in verse number 19 he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. Uh, and the Bible said in the latter part that he gave loaves to his disciples uh, and the disciples to the multitude. Uh, you know what? When you serve Jesus, uh, you're gonna run into a multitude. Uh, I'm telling you, I've met more people being saved than I ever would have being lost. Uh, we've got more friends tonight uh, knowing Jesus Christ than we ever would have living for the devil. I'm telling you, we've got family, the family of God. Uh, doesn't it feel good to be a part of God's family? I mean, this isn't a perfect church but I'm going to be honest with you I don't know another church on this side of God's green earth I'd rather be a member of than Bible Baptist Church amen I thank God for this place I thank God for every one of you I thank God for the family that God has put us in amen think about the precious people you've met tell them we'll call them back later amen think about those uh, precious people that God has let you meet in the family of God. I mean, tonight, salvation makes you love. That old-time religion makes you love everybody. I thought about it. You know, if I wouldn't have got saved, I'd have never met Donald Black or Thomas Black 
Well, but I met them. There's grace for the journey. Y'all know that was coming, didn't you? But, you know, we, we met along life's way. Went to a church, joined it. I, I believed I joined it in the will of God. Was only there 10 months in that church. Left. And when I left, I didn't know if I was in the will of God. I thought I, I, when I left, I said, I thought I was in the will of God. And, but then when I, when I came, but when I left, I wasn't sure. You know what? Years went by, and I wondered. I, I probably missed God when I went there for those 10 months. But, you know, at that church, that's where me and Brother Donald and Miss Cheryl met and my wife, and, and it's where, me, where we met the, the Andrews family. And if I'd have never went to that church... Listen, we, we would have never met Brother Donald Black. He would have never been here, and y'all would have never been tormented by him. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't in the will of God. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. But it, it's amazing the people you meet just because you're saved. Think about how your life has been so blessed by people you've met because of Jesus. They experience multitudes. They experience misunderstanding. Look at verse number 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time has now passed. Send the multitude away that they may go into the village and buy themselves vigils. I'll tell you, when you come to this verse, what you have here is good people making a bad decision. The disciples were good people, but they're making a bad decision. They're making it with, I believe, good intentions. The hour is late. They're in a desert place. The people are hungry. There's no faith in their decision. But I believe their intentions was to, to be a help. But there's a misunderstanding. I'm glad Jesus was there to straighten that misunderstanding out. You know, if you serve God, there's going to be misunderstandings. You can't get mad at every brother that doesn't treat you right. You can't get mad at every sister that treats you wrong. You say, Brother Gravely, you ever been mad at people? Well, sure I have. I mean, but you know what, as a preacher, sometimes you got to, I know y'all won't believe this because I never say this in the pulpit, but I'm going to say it tonight. I never said it here in 24 years, but I'm going to say it tonight. Sometimes you have to preach with people that don't like you. Can you believe that? And they've gossiped about you. And they've said things about you and even your church. And you've got to preach with them someplace. And it's always interesting to me because when I get there, I don't know whether to, you know, pucker up or duck, you know. But like a good politician, they'll come over and shake you. Brother Gravely, it's so good to see you. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not what you told the last ten, brother. But I want to treat them right. They're not my enemy. I don't care if somebody run me in this church down in the ground tonight if he run every one of us down. That's in the hands of a just God. They're our brother and the cause of Christ is not worth me or you going out and saying anything about them. And then people do change, don't they? I don't want to make enemies out of people because you know what? I've said dumb things. I've said things and God's wore me out for it. Has God ever whipped you for saying something you shouldn't have? I sure am glad people are merciful, forgiving. I'll tell you to keep, an older man said something to me one time I never forgot. 
someone had said something and they attached my name to it. And so I called him. I thought that was the best thing. I wanted him to know. I called him. I said, brother, I don't ever do this, but I heard something and they attached about three preachers' names to it. And I said, I don't know if there's any truth to it or not, but I said, I love you. I love your ministry. I appreciate how God's using you. I said, and I just want you to know that I didn't say that. I said, if you want to call whoever said whatever, I said, we'll all sit in a room. And I said, I'll say it in front of all of them. I didn't say it. And here's what he said, and it was worth the phone call. He said, Brother Gravely, it don't matter to me. He said, I don't care if any of them said it about me. He said, you know why? Because he said, I made my mind up, and you'll know who I'm talking about. He said, when I make a friend, he said, I make one for life. And he said, it doesn't matter how they treat me. He said, friendship's how I'm going to treat them. I said, that's wisdom, ain't it? There's misunderstanding. Heaven's going to straighten it all out. Amen. I tell you, if there's somebody in this room tonight that you can't speak to somebody else, they may not even be here, they may be down the road, but you, you've avoided them, and they know, that person knows you've avoided them, I tell you what y'all do, y'all get right with God. Then y'all to get right with them. You say, but preacher, they've mistreated me. It doesn't matter. Wouldn't you like to stand at the judgment seat one day and be able to stand there and know that, that you treated them right at the judgment seat? I think that would be worth it, wouldn't it? And then they experienced the master in verse 16 and 19. Jesus works on the behalf of everyone with five loaves and two fishes, and they saw that. I'm glad I've seen the master work. Amen. Then they experienced a miracle. The Bible said in verse number 19, they got in on it. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and they took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. They experienced a miracle here. They watched five loaves and two fishes be passed out over and over and over again. The more that it got broken, the more it got blessed. And the more God breaks us, the more He blesses us. Broken people don't stand tall. Broken people are on their knees. They experienced a miracle And then they experienced more. Look at verse number 20. I like this verse. And they did all eat, notice this next phrase, and were filled. Isn't that a blessing? How many of y'all like to eat? Go ahead and raise your hand. We can tell by looking at you. How many of you like to eat till you're full? There's nothing worse than sitting down to a good meal that tastes good, and there's not enough. Isn't that right? Brother, I'm telling you, listen, that's depressing, isn't it? Don't y'all look so spiritual? I mean, I'm telling you, who, who eats half a hamburger? Come on now. Who eats one hot dog? You know, a hot dog's for people who have no conscience of their stomach whatsoever. But if you're going to eat one, don't eat one. Amen. I mean, if you're going to dress it up and you're going to put mustard and ketchup and onions and, and slaw and, and relish and then you're going to put some chili on top of that, baptize it, amen. I mean, I'm talking about so deep you got to eat it with a fork, amen. I mean, listen, I, I mean, all beef. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but if you're going to eat none of that pork turkey mess, somebody say amen, uh, or none of that organic stuff. You know what? I don't want to eat a green hot dog, you know. Uh, I mean, I want to eat something that looks like it's been alive at some point in its life, you know. Uh, uh, but you know what? If you're going to eat something, You don't want to eat just one, do you, brothers? I mean, you're going to eat till you was filled. I go to camp meetings sometimes, and there's not enough food. 
I told I, Brother George, we, we, we talk about it at camp meeting. I said, doesn't matter. Just, you know, let them, if they got to come back, and, and he puts it out there. Don't matter if they come back for five. Somebody asked the Jubilee, can we come back for seconds? I said, you come back for fourths if you want it. It's scriptural. You eat till you're full. Isn't that right? Well, I lost everybody on that one. It's the truth tonight. But you experience more. Here's the principle. God always gives you more. God never leaves you hungry. He never leaves you empty-handed. I'm going to tell you, this crowd ate so much that they were like, hold on, hold on. They're like, no more. I've ate enough, I've ate enough fish. I've ate enough hush puppies. No more. I don't want any more of that. You know what? So much that the Bible said it was 12 baskets full. When everybody got fed, there was still more. And I'm going to tell you, that's why I'm not a Calvinist tonight. Because if you don't become a Calvinist from reading the Bible, there's always room for more. He's like, Nobody has to leave hungry. I'm telling you tonight, serving Jesus Christ, you'll always have more serving God. Young people, you live for God, I promise you'll have more. I'm telling you, listen, your, your cupboards will be full. God may not give us everything we want, but Brother Mike, we'll have more. I'm telling you, we'll be able to look around and, and look back and say, God, you've been so good. Hadn't God been so good? I, look at your life. Look at where, you, where you're at today. Look at where you're starting. I'm telling you, we're all rich if you stop and think about it. I mean, God has blessed us. He's been good to us. I'm telling you, I've got more tonight. You say, how do you know? I'm I'm telling you, because we got more blessings than we can count. We got more blessings than we could number. If you started right now, you'd have to stay up all night until the next day, and you still wouldn't exhaust. You can't remember all the more you've got in your life. He's run the baskets over. It's more than we could ever count for. I'm telling you, I'm glad tonight I serve a God that don't just get you by, but he gives you more. Hallelujah. He gives you more. To the point that you just say, God, I can't handle it no more. <laughs> and we learn from their experience and we learn from their estimate. Look what the Bible says in verse 21. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. I love that verse because it mentions the leaders. mentions all the ladies and the little ones. All were filled. you know why? Because they followed Jesus on foot. I want to tell you tonight, every foot in this building can follow Jesus if you want to. From the oldest to the youngest, if you're willing to follow him, you can. Young people, hear me tonight. I Make sure you follow Jesus all the days of your life. Follow him. Stay with him. Don't, don't sell yourself short. Don't think that you that God's going to pass you by tonight if you don't follow him. You just keep following Jesus, and I'm going to tell you, everything that God wills for your life, it'll fall in place at the right time, at the right moment. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to try to, you know, I know sometimes we, we want God to, I mean, I'm always wanting to, to get everything done yesterday. Are you like that? Everything should have been done yesterday. That's just how I can't help it. That's the way my mind works. But when it comes to God and his work, we're not running on my timetable. We're running on God's tonight.